church this morning. We invite you to stand and worship with us.
So set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain and I can't control I want more of you, God I want more of you, God Set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain and I can't control I want more of you, God I want more of you, God
declaration. The truth is this, church. Times have changed. People keep saying, when are we going back to something? You're not. And you know, the enemy is persistently trying to stop the church of Jesus Christ from testifying. Throwing a lot of stuff at us. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. Listen, we say, well, we're in a bad situation. I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of generations in the past that have been in bad situations, but they persisted and they said, we will build his church. Now, how do we do that? As we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, how do we do that? We testify of what he's done. In the book of Judges, it says in chapter 2, after Joshua dies, Joshua, the great leader that brings him into the promised land, he dies. And what happens to the people is a very sad thing because it says that another generation after them arose and did not know the Lord nor even know the work he had done for Israel. They didn't even know the story. See, we have to tell the story. You got to tell the story, Robin, to your grandkids. You got to tell the story again and again. Grandma, I heard that story. You're going to hear it again and again. You're going to tell the story of Hannah's healing again and again. You're going to tell the story of your salvation, your deliverance, your freedom, that supernatural provision, that healing that came to your body again and again. How's this next generation going to know? Because Jesus is real. And we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb has given us access to Jesus and all that he has, all the riches of heaven, all his promises according to 2 Corinthians 1.20. And we are to testify it. Church, not just with a mask like this, but I'm talking about just shutting us up for whatever reason. I don't have time, I forget, I'm fearful, whatever it may be. And I'm going to tell you this house, we're going to start testifying because when we testify, there's magnification, and when we testify, there's multiplication. Okay, so, Pastor, what are you talking about? Right now, some of you need to testify. Pastor Nick is sitting in my office, and he wants to record a two-minute testimony from you. I say, well, I don't have a testimony right now. Well, you know what? He'll be, we'll do it next week, too. But right now, some of you, the Lord's dropping a testimony. You need to go back out and just leave the service, go to my office. He's in there with a, a, a recorder going to record a testimony because we're going to start huh? how to get my office just go right down that hall just take a left go right down that hall two minute testimony you say well what if i stumble he'll clean it up for you okay we'll edit it so it's nice and cleaned up for you but you know what we're going to start testifying i'm tired of hearing the problem but not the testimony I'm tired of hearing the sickness, but not the healing. I'm tired of hearing the, the need, but not the provision. Come on, come on, come on. Magnify the Lord with me. Magnify.
magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I will build my church. I will build my church. Why do we like to read the book of Acts? Because there's testimony. We read the testimony of Jesus. This is the testimony of our God. This is the testimony of Jesus. And we are to carry it from generation to generation. Pastor Lynn, you're pushing me. You're pushing me out of your comfort zone. Yes, I am. Because I fight for the next generation. That they know the works of the Lord. The reality of God. Let, don't let the enemy muzzle you. Don't let the enemy cause you to forget. Keep alive what the Lord has done. Keep alive the power of the Lord. Keep alive that he has given to you by declaring the works of the Lord. We're going to pray right now. Some of you are going to go down that hall. Because somebody's in that room with Nick. Just wait. I don't care if everybody goes. It doesn't matter to me. We'll sing in here. Because we're going to record testimony. We're going to start. We're going to give Jesus his due resume. Come on. We're going to give Jesus his due resume. His cross paid for your testimony. His cross paid. His blood paid for your testimony. For your testimony. We give him his due reward when we declare and decree what he has done and what he's going to do. Lord, right now, Father, I pray faith arise over people. Faith arise. Faith arise. The fire of God in our belly to stir us What you have done, what you have done in our lives, we make it alive, Lord. You deserve all the glory. You deserve all the honor. We magnify your name, your name, who you are, Jesus. We magnify it in your name, Jesus, the name above all other names. I can't control. I want to know. That I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Go oh, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't. 
control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God.
resume of the enemy oh sickness disease war abuse of people all these things he's he's given his resume let's give Jesus his resume let's show this world what Jesus's resume is that's what our testimony is about I just it's so on my heart so on my heart to give Jesus his due reward of our testimony The enemy wants to shut you up. He wants to shut you up. And the Holy Spirit wants to release your tongue. Let me just say this. The enemy, the devil, cannot create. But the Lord can create. You, remember, you know that, right? He is the creator. The enemy can only mimic and he can only use humans. Okay? Deceive humans. He can only usurp their power. He can have a lot of activity, but he cannot create. This is the beauty. But guess what, you all? You are made in God's image. The enemy is not made in God's image. You are made in God's image. And you have the ability by your mouth to create. Blessing, cursing, Scripture says. And when we testify... And you and other people hear it, it creates something. When we tear down, when we talk negatively and disparagingly and with divisive, it also creates something, right? Creates such a heaviness, creates that's why Jesus doesn't want division in his church, divided body. But when we have our tongues controlled by the Holy Spirit and we are testifying to the goodness of God, we are creating something in the atmosphere. Faith is stirred in the atmosphere. You know, like I said just a few minutes ago, right now, Pastor Nick is in my office, and he is there to videotape testimony. 
I really, and I know this for a fact, Pastor Dave and I are connected with the overall uh, ministers and in our community, not just with our denomination, but beyond that. And, and we're, we're connected and there's a lot of discouragement in ministry. There's a lot of pastors. Actually, there has been a huge exit of pastors leaving churches, leaving ministry because of discouragement. This is the era for that. This is what's going on. But you know what I want to tell you? We're going to build this church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you hear me? And guess what? We're the church. You're the church. You're the church. You're the, we're the church. And we will build the church. And, and one central way is we're going to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. We're not going to sp speak the tear down. We're not going to have agreement with where the enemy wants us to go with our thoughts and our minds and what's happening in the, the world. We're going to go with what Jesus is about. And I have come that you might have life and life abundantly, not just in the first century, not just when Jesus lived on this, but in 2021, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. And who are the life givers? We are, because we're the body of Christ. We're going to be life givers. And how we do that is we proclaim it. We proclaim life. We proclaim what Jesus has done saved me, healed me, turned my life around, healed my mind, gave me peace. I haven't been able to sleep. Now I can sleep peacefully off the drugs now because I can sleep peacefully. I don't need to have to take something to go to sleep. See, the Lord is able. He is able. Right now, Pastor Nick is in my office and he's ready to to tape your testimony, just one or two testimonies, whatever it may be. Some of you say, well, I have too much to say. Well, pick something. Pick something. Because when you testify, and it's, yes, it's going to be recorded. Why? Because we're going to glorify God. Are you going to see, are we going to see these? Yes, we are. When we gather together on the 12th and we have our taco feed and everything, we're going to show what God is doing in the lives of people. Because this isn't your resume. And you know what? It's really not about you. It's about him. <laughs> so many people to make it all about them. Oh, I'm nervous. Oh, it's me. It's me. It's me. It's like, get your eyes off of you. Get your eyes on Jesus and give him his just reward by testifying what he has done in your life. Let me give you a story. John chapter 9. The story of the blind man who was born blind. This is an incredible story because it actually causes a great stir, one of the greatest stirs of Jesus' healing ministry because the Pharisees get involved. Actually, the parents of the man get involved. The Pharisees are mad. The Pharisees are mad because they call Jesus a sinner. Can you imagine that? We're followers of Moses, they say. And this man is a sinner. Well, the 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 blind man who is now can see says, listen, a sinner can't heal because God doesn't hear the sinner. According to your theology, they, he says. According to your theology, Pharisees, God doesn't listen to sinners. So how can I be healed if this man's a sinner? Basically, that's what he's saying. Then we get to John chapter 9, 
verse 32. And it says this. Since the beginning of time, this is the, this is the blind man talking to the Pharisees. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. Did you know that's true? This blind man who is actually was a beggar, according to the scripture, he was a beggar, but he actually had a family because later in the text, you know that his parents are talked to by the Pharisees. So he was given the job of beggar to contribute to his family's household income. So he starts to tell these Pharisees this thing. It is true. In the Old Testament, with all the healings that prophets do, even raising the dead, there is no healing of sight in the Old Testament. But when Jesus comes, he opens up the blinded eyes, physically and spiritually. Now we have two cases here. We have a case of a man who is blind physically and is blind spiritually. But we also have another bad case of spiritual blindness by the Pharisees. So this blind man who now sees says, listen, Beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything like this because God would not hear his prayer. And they answered him, you were born entirely in sins from head to foot. And you presume to teach us? And he was teaching them. He knew his theology. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the history of Israel. Then they threw him out of the synagogue. And Jesus heard that they had put him out of the synagogue and finding him, he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? See, now Jesus is going for the spiritual life of this man. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him. Isn't that a powerful thing? You have both seen him because I healed you. <laughs> and in fact, he is the one who is talking with you right now. And he said, Lord, the man who had been healed says, Lord, I believe in you and your word. And he worshiped him. And he worshiped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment to separate those who believe in me from those who reject me. So that the sightless would see. And those who see would become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind to spiritual things, you would have no sin and would not be blamed for your unbelief. But since you claim to have spiritual sight, you have no excuse. Your sin and guilt remains. They thought their eyes were open, but they were actually blind. What I want to get to is this. This man testified of what Jesus had done. This man testified. We are the recipients of that testimony. You know what? I want you to be people who testify of what God has done. This causes you to have that overcoming power as Revelation chapter 12, 11 said, and they overcame him, who the enemy, because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Some of us keep our mouth closed because we're, we're, we're afraid of what people think. 
we're afraid that they're gonna say, oh, that can't happen, that's not true. Well, guess what? Join the club all through scripture. There's people just like this blind man who now was healed, were told, listen, that can't happen. You're saying, but it did. Don't you tell me he can't do it. He did it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. He did it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. He did. This is Jesus' resume. 1 John 5, 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has a testimony within himself because he can speak authoritatively about Christ from his own personal experience. Shall I read that to you again? 1 John 5, 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony where? Within himself, because he can speak authoritatively about Christ from his own personal experience. Is that you? Is that you? Come on, people. You're like, you're making me uncomfortable, Pastor Lynn. I'm shy. Guess what? You're not more shy than I've been. But you know what? When you love Jesus, you go, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to exalt you, Lord. Lord, I believe. I believe in the wonder-working God. I believe that you are the life giver today. I believe that you are the healer today. I believe you have resurrection power today. I believe that you recover the sight of the blind today. I believe that you open the deaf ears today. I believe that you bring the prodigal home today. Stand up. I believe, Lord. I believe that you reconcile. I believe that you heal minds. I believe that you take away the spirit of I believe that you break off depression. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Come on. You give supernatural provision. You create multiplication. We give our two fish and five loaves and you multiply it. I believe, I believe you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We exalt you. This is your resume, Jesus. Your cross, your blood purchased this for us. And we will walk in it. And we will talk about it. We will testify. We will exalt you. We will magnify your name in this earth. In 2021, we're not going to magnify the problems. We're not going to magnify the disease. We're not going to magnify the wars and rumors of wars. We're going to magnify Jesus. He is a peacemaker. He is a way. He is a truth. you or forsakes you. Fall in love with Jesus. testifying of what Jesus has done you're listening to the report of man you're listening to the report of the world but we don't believe the report of the world we believe the report of our God we believe in who he is we believe in what he says let God be found true though every man be found 
the liar. In other words, God, when God says happens, he is the word. And if man says stuff in conflict with that, then we cannot believe the word of man. We must believe the way, the truth, and the life. And some of us, we're bending our ear. We're bending our ear to the whispers of the world. We're bending our ear to the whispers of the enemy regarding our life, our situation, and whatever may be going on. And we need to fix our eyes on Jesus and testify and say, you know what, my words, the words that I proclaim about my God, about Jesus, are going to trump whatever words the enemy is whispering in my ears. I'm going to declare and decree what Jesus has done and what he's going to do. That authority that Jesus has given to you is not outside of you. It's within you. It's within you. I'm going to read that scripture again. 1 John 5:10. The one who believes in the Son of God has a testimony within himself because he can speak authoritatively about Christ from his own personal experience. It's within you. The authority that Jesus paid for is in you. Being seated with Christ in heavenly places, that's where you're at, but you have to function. You have to believe. You have to say, I'm listening to Jesus. I'm listening to the Word of God. I am not listening to the world. Quit putting that L, that L in that word. World versus Word. Word over world. Shut off the media. Shut off the news. Shut off whatever is chatting at you, causing your spirit to be trumped on, causing your faith to shrink, and open up his word. Worship, listen to what he has to say, because he is the word of God, faithful and true to you. Build your faith. Some of you right now, if there's a testimony, go down to Pastor, that my office, Pastor Nick, Take a left, keep going until you see a door open. Pastor Nick's sitting in there, ready to record a testimony. Why? Because you're putting it out there. You're saying, I believe. Just like this man who was born blind, he starts testifying. I don't know what you're saying, but I know this. I once was blind, but now I see. I once couldn't see. I would look like people talked about me like I was cursed from being born. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, for my glory, for this time, I have healed you that I, I may be glorified. You may not know why you've gone through what you've gone through. You may not know why you've experienced the things that you've experienced. But Jesus has come and said, guess what? For such a time as this, I'm going to bring glory to your situation. I'm going to show forth myself. It's time. It's time for me to come in and intervene in that situation. It's time. Do you believe? Come on, I'm gonna, you know when you're 
God, you come to this house. You can go sit in another church and you can get a prepackaged meal and be out in an hour. And if you want that, go there. But I'm telling you here, we believe in what Jesus says and we believe that he is and is to come and he wants to glorify himself in this generation. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Break off the intimidation that the enemy wants to put on you. Break off the intimidation. Don't let the enemy shut your mouth. Open it up. Open it up. Declare the goodness of God. Declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come and magnify the Lord with me. Exalt his name together. He is good. He is worthy to be praised. We exalt you, Lord. We exalt you. the Lord receive what the Lord wants to give you today receive what the Lord wants to give you today right now if that's you I want you to raise your hand if that's you if you struggle that way okay we got some we got three all right Pastor David just go and uh, lay your hands you got oil there's oil in my thing here another thing that the Lord is saying for some, there's some of you that the Lord is talking to me right now about your children, your children that are far away. The Lord says, far away from him. Now, they may not have left the faith. They have a faith, but they're not serving God. 
They're not serving God like they need to be serving God. They're not under that canopy of obedience to the Lord. And the Lord's wanting to bring them back. And the Lord is saying that he wants to bring them back. And the Lord says that there's some of you, there's somebody in this room that the Lord wants you to send that child a message, a note, a love note, a love note from the Father God to them. How much they are loved by you and the Lord. And the Lord's saying, you know what, I want you to send, you may have had a little bit of a conflict with them, maybe a little bit of disagreement with them. And the Lord is saying, you know what I want you to do is I want you to build that bridge of love so strong that they're going to run back over that bridge to me, to you. And the Lord says, now I want you, and you know what, you better, the Lord wants you to obey this. You're to send them a love note, whether it be written and mailed, a text, an email, but the Lord wants you to send them a love note, not for any other reason, but just that you love them. To pour out their, your, the love, your love as a father or mother or grandparent towards that person, but also that the love of the Father is expressed in that. They need to know what's going to unlock them is that they need to know that they are loved by God. They need to know that they are accepted. They are embraced by God. They need to know that they are forgiven by the Lord. And that love note, the Lord will guide your hands. You're going to sin and they're going to receive it. It's going to break off deception. It's going to break off lies. It's going to break off chains that they have. See, the enemy does not want the love of God to go forth because the love of God is the most powerful thing in the universe. For God so loved the world that he gave. Not we were repentant and then he loved us. No, for God so loved the world just as we are, just as we were and he gave. For some of you that there's a note the Lord wants you to write is going to break off some chains over that child, over that person. It doesn't have to be a relative. It could be a friend. Somebody, though, that's away from the Lord. The Lord is saying, I want to bring them back to my house. And they're hurting and they're fearful and they don't know who they are. And the Lord says, I'm going to bring them back to this house. Right now, if that's you, you know, man, you'll feel it if you know let the holy spirit and and make that commitment don't you dare let the enemy come in and convince you otherwise too good to not believe thank you lord thank you lord for your word today thank you lord that there's power there's power in the blood of jesus <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that that power now rests in us, Lord. And Lord, as we testify and proclaim of who you are, it goes forth into this world and it changes the atmosphere. We thank you, Lord, for your word in your name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I believe Michael Martinez is coming up. morning crossroads aren't you guys excited this morning how can you not be excited amen how can you not be excited for what god is doing amen 
We want to welcome everybody, all, all visitors. If you're a first-time visitor here, we welcome you. We thank you for, for coming. Um, if you have not signed up for our weekly e-newsletter, you can by filling out the card behind the, uh, the, the pews there. And go ahead and drop it in the offering basket. Um, that's important so you know and understand what's going on. There's, there's a lot. We're always doing lots and lots and lots. So we, we encourage you. Uh, we also have gathering opportunities um, that are available for doesn't matter who you are, age, doesn't matter. We, we have many things for the men, for the women, for the youth, for the children. Um, there's all sorts of things. We encourage you, get connected, and most importantly, stay connected. Amen. If, if you have noticed that somebody hasn't been here in a while, call them. Give them a call. Give them a message. It's important that we encourage one another. Amen. Um, Miracle Street. <laughs> I like that. Testimonies. You, you've been hearing all morning about testimonies. You know, like the, the Bible says in Revelations 12, we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. And it's important when we, when we share our testimony, not only does it, it, it glorifies him, but it gives an opportunity to share. It's an open door for us to share because one thing the enemy can't refute is your testimony. Nobody can take that from you. They can argue and argue and argue all they want, but they can't steal that testimony from you. Amen. So I encourage you, share it. Amen. Um, also today, um, we start the Strong Foundations uh, a class. What is it? Foundations of Faith class. Um, Kim Benz is teaching that class. She's an awesome teacher. Um, I encourage you, if you're new in the faith, I encourage you to, to go. It's right after this service. Come to this service first. <laughs> Don't just go to the class, but encourage you, come here first, and then go and, and, and be strengthened, amen, in the word through your foundation, amen. Um, September 12th, who likes tacos? I love tacos, amen. We're going to have tacos Sunday. I know it's Taco Tuesdays, but we, we're going to have tacos Sunday. I encourage you, come, bring your appetite. It's free. Um, just be encouraged. It's our, it's our fall, you know, we're launching thing. We're, we're going to come and we're going to uh, uh, just enjoy the fellowship, but also to hear about the different ministries and things that you everyone can get involved with. Amen. Amen. Single ladies. Sing, I know you, single ladies have been waiting for a while for this. Amen. We've had to reschedule, but finally we're going to do it Friday, September 17th, 6 through 8 in the fellowship hall. Um, all the single ladies, 12 through 100, 100 and whatever, doesn't matter. Come, bring somebody, bring a friend, bring a family member. Um, come and enjoy, amen. Sermons online. Um, if you want to go back and hear a sermon, if uh, you just, for whatever reason, God was speaking to you, you want to go deeper, there's sermons available online through the Apple podcast. There's also Spotify, I believe. Just search it up. And they're there. Everything's there for you. Amen. Um, fall 2021 retreats, women and men. I encourage you. If you've never been, um, I encourage you to go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really, really awesome time. I've been to a few of them. Amen. And it lifts each other up. We bring encouragement. But the Holy Spirit always, always moves. Amen. You feel refreshed. Amen. I encourage you to sign up. Amen. It's uh, women's is September 24th through the 26th. Cost is $230. The men's is October 15th through 17th. The cost is $200. And for whatever reason, uh, uh, if you can't afford it, let us know. Amen. Uh, it's more important for you to be there. Don't let finances be an issue. Amen. 
um, also ministry missionaries of, of the week amen this is uh, life life freedom um, man this is a powerful ministry what they do is they rescue children from sex sex trafficking um, they do so much this is God's work they do amen and just pray for them amen um, Pray for them. Pray that God would just move in that region because there's so much adversity that they face in that region with the government, with the pimps in that region. I mean, they, they go through so much. So I, I encourage you, pray for them. Amen. And with that, we're going to go into our tithes and offerings. Amen. Tithes and offerings, another form of worship. Amen. It's, it's important that we, that we serve, that we give, and we worship God through our tithes and offerings. You know, he... He takes honor in that, and he loves that. Amen. I encourage you, trust in him. Trust in him and see what God does in your life. Amen. So, Father, right now, Lord, we just thank you, Father God, this morning, what you're doing. We thank you, Father God, for the blessings that you've given us, Father. And Lord, I ask that you would just take this offering, Father, and just multiply it, Father God. And, Lord, that it would do what it was set out to do, Father God. In your name, Jesus, amen. That I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Oh, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Hey, I want to share a couple things uh, before I uh, break open God's Word to you. You know, um, if you have those slides up, uh, if you, Danielle, if you put that next one up. One of the things that we are, and this is interesting because this is really a testimony, we are uh, what we call a global church. That's not a word we made up. It's actually a word someone else made up. Uh, but it actually talks about us being not just local, but global. And I want to, I want to give a testimony to the Lord because... Those of you that have been around this church for a number of years, we've been here nine years as pastors, and uh, when we first came here, the, the, the church was really struggling financially. I, I just want you to know that. It was, uh, there were a lot of things in the facility. They hadn't had a pastor for a few years. Things were really tough financially. The board used to get together every Tuesday night, right, Mark? Was it Tuesday nights? They'd get together every Tuesday night, and they'd put all the bills out on the table and decide which ones they'd pay and which ones they'd have to call and say, can we get an extension? I mean, you ever been that tight, you know? And uh, this property, uh, it's appraised at about $4 million. Uh, it's probably closer to seven, actually. Uh, we haven't had a reassessment, thank God. Um, uh, our taxes wouldn't go up then, you know? Uh, but uh, there were churches hovering around waiting for this church to fail and, and to fall and to close so they could take it over because it was such a, it's a great opportunity. And I tell you that not to diss, to diss any other churches, but to tell you what the Lord has done. Because since that time, God has done miraculous things. And had the enemy had his way, this church would have, would have crumbled. And what we're doing globally and what we're doing locally wouldn't happen. So I wanted to share that. And so I want to tell you this week, uh, if you go to the next slide, this week we sent uh, a second payment of $5,000 to our missionaries in Poland to plant another church in Poland. Okay? And... Uh, 
that wouldn't have happened had not the Lord done it. And I want to tell you the story behind that, because how many of you remember the old Paul Harvey? Any of you old enough to remember Paul Harvey, the rest of the story? He was a news guy that used to do a radio show, and he'd say, and the rest of the story is this. Well, let me tell you the rest of the story. Uh, Earl and Tammy Chirox are the missionaries to Poland. Uh, they came and visited this church about five, a little over five years ago. And when they came to visit the church, uh, we, at that point, weren't able to take on any new missionaries. We just didn't have the finances to do it. Uh, they were getting ready to go to Poland. They came and visited me in my office. And, and while we're sitting in my office, the Lord spoke to me to do something that I have never done up until that point. It was really uh, uh, an interesting thing. As they're sitting talking, I'm knowing I'm having to tell them, hey, sorry, we're not going to be able to take you on as missionaries. And the Lord said this, and go to the next slide. He told me to pull out $2 or a dollar bill and to pull out a Sharpie and write on each corner 10000 And uh, I did it, and I remember handing him the, the, the dollar bill and said, the Lord wants you to know that he's going to give you $10,000. Now, let me tell you, we were missionaries and before we came here as your pastors. And if someone gave me a dollar bill that said 10000 I would think the same thing that Earl and Tammy thought. This guy, and this is what... Earl and Tammy said as they were pulling out of our parking lot, this is what they said to each other. I can't believe that guy defaced a dollar bill. We can't even use it. Okay? And so they went around gathering their support. They went around supporting, uh, getting support for churches. And at the very last church they were at, the pastor asked them, how, how are you guys doing with your budget? And he says, oh, we got all our money to go to Poland. He says, what about your cash budget? Because you have to have monthly support pledges and then you have to have a bulk of cash to get over there. And they were allowed to leave, but they didn't meet all of their cash budget. And so the pastor kept persisting, and they kept saying, oh, everything's fine. And he finally said to them, how much do you need in your cash budget? And Earl said, we need $10,000. And the pastor pulled out the church checkbook and wrote him a check for $10,000. So he was telling a friend of his who's a, the superintendent of Northern California, Nevada, what happened and how we had given him that dollar. And the, and, and the superintendent called or said to him, you need to call Pastor David right now and tell him what the Lord has done. So he called me and told me what the Lord had done. Well, this week I called him and I said, uh, hey, Earl, David Willis from Crossroads, how are you doing? He goes, oh, great, Pastor, how are you doing? I said, good, I'm calling in my marker. How many of you know what calling in your marker means? You know, some of you do because you're laughing, you know. <laughs> calling in your marker is when you bet on something, you put collateral up for it. And that collateral, when you pay it off, you get that marker back. And he started laughing, and he says, are you saying what I think you're saying? And I said, yes, I am. I just want you to know that we, we just sent in another $5,000 to plant the second church in Poland. Isn't that exciting? Now, I tell you that, that's $10,000. And what, what Earl said to me, he says, I love double prophecies. Not only did he get $10,000 to go to Poland, but we also sent $10,000 to give to the church plant. And I tell you this, this is a testimony. We're not taking another offering. You're all cool. But I want to tell you this. Had the enemy had his way at this church, that would have never happened. Not only would that not have happened, but we wouldn't have planted seven churches in India we wouldn't have built uh, uh, the Mackay House. We wouldn't have planted two churches in Nepal. We wouldn't be doing the stuff we're doing globally. But yet the Lord had done something. And that's why it's really important for you to testify of what God's doing. Because had the Lord not done it, 
what would have happened? Go to the next slide. This is a picture. You can't really see it that well, and it's very intentional for that. This is in the Mackay House in India. Today, to date, they have had 13 babies born in that house that would have probably been either uh, aborted or uh, never born. That's what this house has done. That's what you've done. Isn't that exciting? That's, that's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. So on Danielle Benz's birthday today, we celebrate that, Danielle. Aren't you glad for that? So I, that's why I want to tell you, you know, testimonies are so powerful, you know. They are so powerful when you see what God's doing. And so as believers, I want to talk to you this morning. I want to transition into our word. Before we do that, can we just pray for our missionaries? Father, we just pray for our missionaries right now, that God, you would raise up not just financial support, but relational support, emotional support for them, Lord. We pray for their, their, their work in the different countries globally that they're doing, Lord, that you would do great things. We pray for our missionaries that are here in the States, uh, Lord, that like uh, the Greens who are planting a, a new ministry in Stone Mountain, Georgia, we pray for them. We pray for Teen Challenge that you'd continue to help them, Lord. We pray for the work of the ministry here in the South Valley, that God, all that we do would bring glory and honor to Christ, and people would go from uh, darkness into light as a result of being in, in, in these ministries, Lord. In Christ's name we ask, amen. So today I want to talk to you about fighting. How many of you like to fight? Okay, come on, don't be shy, you know. Uh, one of the things that is interesting about our culture, uh, I realize these are electronic boxing gloves when I, I pulled the picture up, just so you know. Uh, but when, when we're living in a culture right now that it seems that everyone's angry, I, I don't know if you know that. I had a conversation with a, a couple of police officers from San Jose this week, and they were saying that, uh, there has been fights in some of the schools in San Jose that they had to actually take a student out of the, out of the school on a stretcher. Uh, if you've watched the news, there's been an attacks of kids in sporting events in schools around the country. Uh, if, you're, if you're a fan of uh, professional football, there's been uh, at least two major fights that have been televised at, at professional sporting events. It seems like we're living in a culture where people are angry. Uh, recently in Northern California, uh, a father beat up a teacher over the mask issue at, at the school. You know, we're seeing anger at a level like we've never seen it before. And one of the things that is, is interesting, our culture is is really at a place where rage is, is really controlling people. And, you know, it's whether, whether we wear a mask or not wear a mask, you know, whether you get the COVID vaccine or you not get the COVID vaccine, whether you, you, you go to public school or private school or homeschool, it seems like people are fighting over everything, you know. Uh, there's, there's anger, there's rage, there's this, this spirit that's going around that's just destroying people. And what's, what's your rights and what's my rights and what's the government's rights and all of these things. And it seems like everything is just this, this, this pressure cooker just rattling and rattling and rattling. And, and one of the things that is interesting is that it seems like whatever you name, people want to fight about. And I tell you, as a believer, we are called to a higher standard. As a believer, you and I are called that we are called to fight the good fight, not to fight. You know, you may like combat sports, you might like wrestling, you might like MMA, you might like uh, uh, whatever sports you like. You might like to fight jujitsu, taekwondo, all those things. You may like that, but as a believer, 
You and I are called to the ultimate priority of fighting the fight that the Lord has set before us. And I want to tell you something about this house. I don't know about other churches. I don't know what other churches do, but I'll tell you about this house. Unity is the utmost priority of this community. Do you hear me? Unity is the utmost priority of this community. That doesn't mean that we can't have different opinions. That doesn't mean that we can't have different views on things. But we do not allow those differences to cause division in us. We allow the unity, the bond of Christ, to bring us into close fellowship with one another. That you and I can disagree. You and I can disagree on who should be uh, our president, who should be our governor, who should be, whether we wear masks, whether we don't wear masks, whether we have COVID shots, whether we don't, that we can argue all of those things separately, but we do not allow that to be a wedge in our relationship with one another. We are called to be one in Christ Jesus. And one of the things that God wants to do is he wants that, that diversity to be an accent. I don't know about you, but when, when we eat food, I don't like when they only put salt in it. How many of you like to, do you ever do that? I was telling uh, uh, Michelle that when we were coming back from Florida, I thought I'd have one last glass of sweet tea at the airport. And I got sweet tea, and I tell you, it was sweet caro. It was like pure caro syrup. I took one sip of that, and I almost had to get a diabetes shot. It was horrible. I dumped half of it out, poured water into it, half a glass of water, took a sip. It was still disgusting. I finally threw it away. It was so bad. We are not concentrated in one thing. We have diversity, and that was makes the body of Christ a beautiful thing. And although we are many, although we are diverse, we are one in Christ Jesus. And I tell you, that is something that I will strive for. And, and one of the concepts, if you have been around here at all, is the concept of biblical shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. And, and peace has four different components to it in a biblical sense. When you're looking at it in, a, in the, the totality of Scripture, it talks about not just absence of conflict, but shalom is the wholeness of life, how your body is, you, we, I believe that as a believer, you should take good care of your body, holistically. You should be careful of what you eat, how you take care of yourself, that you get exercise. You know, you don't like wearing masks. My wife and I go to a gym that for 45 minutes, for me, I'm, I'm a weakling, she goes for an hour. She, we do cardio for 45 minutes or an hour wearing a mask. I'll tell you, the first time I did it at the gym, I felt like someone was waterboarding me because I sweat like a pig. And when you don't have hair, all of your sweat just runs down. And I finally, my mask was so wet, I was, like, I go, I was starting to suffocate, you know? We, we have diversity in what we do but we want wholeness of body. We exercise. We exercise physically, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally. And not only that, when you look at the concept of shalom, it's living in right relationship and harmony with one another. That means that although we have differences, we don't allow those differences to wedge us we allow those differences to bring us together for dialogue and discussion. And that is really a covenant aspect of Christianity. That's what it talks about, about being a community. We protect the unity that we have. Another thing that shalom is, shalom is the aspect of prosperity or success or fulfillment. When the, if the Lord is with you, he's going to bless you. There's no doubt about that. He's going to bless you. He's going to bless your health. He's going to bless your business. He's going to bless your career. Why? Because when you put the Lord first, he recognizes that and he says, you give honor to me, I'll give honor to you. And the fourth thing that we see about this is the whole aspect of victory or victorious living, uh, living with the absence of conflict. Now, let me tell you, as a believer, 
We live in a world that as, as by the fact that you and I love Christ, the world hates us. Just get used to that. If you don't know that, you know, this is not when you come to Christ, you click your heels, and then you live happily ever after. As a believer, the world will stand against Christ in you, even if they don't recognize Christ is in you. Why? Because there's a kingdom conflict that's going on. And I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to be a true follower of Christ and fighting the good fight, because one of the things that Scripture says is that the role and responsibility of believers is to take care of those that are less fortunate. Take care of those like we're taking care of these children in, in India and we're taking care of these children in Nepal and we're supporting organizations that, that rescue children and we support organizations that take care of widows and orphans. Why? Because that's a biblical mandate. The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 3. Listen to what the scripture says. This is the Lord speaking to us. In Jeremiah 22, verse 3, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the, listen, rescue from the hand of the opposer who? The ones who have been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. You see, that is not something that was done away when the New Testament was written. Jesus didn't come to do away with the Old Testament, but to fulfill it. And as his disciples, we're called to carry out this mandate. We're, we're, we're called to do it in such a way that it represents the righteousness of God to an unrighteous community around us. You know, I was, I was, when I was preparing for this message, one of the things I did is I looked back at the, the, uh, the, the, the teachings of some of the, uh, the Old Testament and even uh, beyond the Bible, some of the cultures of, of the Old Testament time. And one of the things that's interesting is in antiquity, it was considered the responsibility of righteous people to take care of people that were less fortunate. And it represented your understanding of who your God was. So this is talking about even non-Christian religions. They, they saw that a person that was considered to be righteous would take care of the people that were less fortunate than them. That is the mandate that is, we're called to do. That is the mandate that we're called to live. And one of the things that is interesting when you're dealing with this whole subject, I love how sometimes we say, well, that's someone else's responsibility. But what did Jesus say? Have you ever thought about what Jesus said about social justice? What Jesus said about taking care of others? Look what he said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. He says, truly I tell you, whoever you do it for the one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you do it for me. Who are your brothers and sisters? Look around. The people that you come in contact with every day. You know, several years ago, probably about a decade now, I started referring to people as brother and sister. And it's interesting when you start using that terminology and you start looking at people as your brother and sister, how, how you have a different view and how they respond differently to you. I've been in situations and circumstances where I've been in a store and you could just tell the person's angry and I look at them and I say, excuse me, sister, and they turn and they smile. 
Excuse me, brother, they turn and they smile. Because it's, it's, it's a familial term. It's a term of endearment. I don't know about your family, but my family, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I came to faith when I was older. But my brothers and sisters, when we were talking brothers and sisters, we're usually unified, right? We're usually unified, even in a non-Christian home. There's a connection that happens. And when you look at people as your brother and sister, it changes your perspective of how you view them. It changes your understanding of them. So how do we address some of the things that we're going to deal with when we come across trials or tribulations in our life? Because one of the things that Scripture tells us, as a believer, you and I will have conflicts in this world. We will have confrontations with people, and we'll have uh, difficulties with people. But look what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He said, and we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to do what? To strengthen and encourage you in your faith. One of the things that the word of God does for us, it strengthens and encourages us in our faith. If your faith is weak, be, become strong in the word. Allow it to, to fortify you and retrofit you spiritually. And look what he says in verse 4. So that no one will be unsettled by these trials, for we know quite well that we are destined for them. Don't you love that? It's not, oh, and you're going to live happily ever after. You're going to have troubles in your life. I wish it wasn't so, but that's reality. Life is not, and they live happily ever after. That's Disney, you know? That's not reality. Things happen to our lives that often we, we don't anticipate, we don't want, but they come about, and what Paul says to Timothy is, is he says to Timothy, hey, what really matters is that you know there's going to be struggles, but the, the development of your faith, the encouragement of your faith is what's going to help you get through this. Paul understood the concept that fighting is eventually going to happen, but as a believer, how do we address that? How do we come to terms to that? I think one of the things about Christian faith is this. Christian faith is that we take what we know from the Word of God and we apply it to how we deal with other people. It's interesting because Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul is like, I love the Apostle Paul. I, I identify very much with him in, in his understanding and his love for the word and his ability to teach it. I really grasp that. And one of the things that Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Do you hear me? You and I live in a world, but we don't wage war. We don't fight the way the world fights. As a believer, we're like Hebrew National Franks. We're called to a higher authority. We have to live a different way. We have to live in a different lifestyle. And he says in verse 4, he says, And the weapons we fight are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine powers to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what is Paul saying to the church at Corinth? And the church in Corinth, if you know anything about the Corinthian church, it was very much like our culture today. It was very promiscuous. There was a lot of sexuality. There was a lot of arguments. There was a lot of uh, tension in the community towards the Christians. It was, it was not like this, this easy living place. It was the, 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 the church was constantly faced with the, the, the community around it attacking it and coming against it. And Paul says this. This is how we do it. We choose not to fight like the world. Yeah. 
You have to make that choice. And the world will always try to pull you into its fight. They'll want you to use the same things they do. They want you to act the same way they do. And the word of God says, hey, you need to take a stand and say, you know what? I choose not to do that. Because why? The second thing he says in this text is because you're fighting a different battle. The battle that you and I are fighting is not against the person. You see, the world says, well, if Michael and I have a conflict, what do I do? I tear Michael down because I will do everything in my power to rip him to shreds because if I tear him down, everything he says about me can't be recognized, right? That's the way the world says. But we look at it and says, if Michael and I have a conflict, you know what it is? It's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical. It's not against Michael. It's the, it's the spirit, and I have, to, I have to address, as a spiritual person, I have to address things on, on a higher level, on a, according to what he says, according to a divine power. And he says, and what we do that, when you apply godly principles to the interaction you have with other people, it changes the way you look at them. Yeah. Why do I use the term brother and sister? Because I want to look at my, my sister as a, a person that I love, a person that's in my family. I look at my brother as someone that's in my family. And when you look at people that way, you treat them differently. When you realize that that, that young lady is, is not a, a, an object to be looked at sexually, she's a sister in the Lord. Even if she's not in the Lord, she may not even know it yet, gentlemen, but you look at her with pure eyes, it changes the way you see her. Women, when you look at men, you don't look at them as some hunk, you look at them as a brother or a potential brother in the Lord. You look at them with eyes that Christ has, looking at them in a, in a purity and in a way that looks at them differently. The fourth thing he says, and this is one of the things that is really important, realize that the battle that you're fighting is in opposition for your faith. The, the, the values that you have, the values that people are fighting against are coming against the Christian values, the, the values of righteousness and purity and holiness. All of those things are what they're coming against. And then I love what Paul says, and this is one of the things Paul says throughout his writings. He says, you have to have a transformed mind. You, your mind has to be transformed. How does your mind get transformed? According to Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I don't think I have the text here, but according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're transformed by the renewing of the mind. And the renewing of the mind comes from being in the Word of God. That's why it's really important for you to, to study the Scripture and get into the Word of God and, and meditate upon the Word of the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your spirit. So how do we fight the good fight as a believer then? Well, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul teaches young Timothy, and Timothy was a, a protege of Paul. He was a young pastor that Paul took under his wings and, and was mentoring him and training him to become a church planter. And one of the things he says in first, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says these things to Timothy. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now, it's interesting when you look at these things because what Paul does in this, this one little passage, he gives Timothy kind of a, a three-point outline of how you fight the good faith as a believer. He says, first of all, he says, I have fought the good fight. And what he's talking about here, he's talking about uh, taking a, 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 an understanding that Timothy would have because of the culture he lived in. The, the Bible was written during the time where the, the Greeks and the Romans were there, and they would have, we just got done with the Olympic Games, they would have a sporting contest. There were two major events uh, they would have. They would have a, a, a preliminary to the, uh, uh, the overall Olympics, but they would also then have the Olympic Games. And, and the culture understood the value of these sporting events. 
And what the Apostle Paul did to young Timothy was he said, hey, I want to use a metaphor of what you understand from the culture we live in. I want to I talk about like here, you know, we live in the Bay Area, so we have football and baseball and, and hockey and soccer and all these sporting events going on. And people sometimes identify with an, uh, an image or a depiction of something that they, they see on a regular basis. And Paul says to Timothy, I want you to know that I have fought the good fight. And he says it in a way dealing with, with a, the understanding of like a conflict and a sporting event. And it's interesting because the verb tense, I'll put my professorial hat on for a minute. The verb tense is a perfect verb tense. And what it means is basically, he says, I have already fought this fight. And he uses it in a way that actually it's only used one time in all of the New Testament. And Paul uses it here. He says, I have fought the good fight. And he says literally what he's talking about. He's talking about an intense athletic or combat experience. Have you ever watched a wrestling match? You know, my brother wrestled uh, in high school, and, uh, you know, wrestlers, man, they get down on the mats, and they're twisting their bodies, and their bodies are distorted, and, and there's that intensity where there's, there's just something happening very, very, uh, very focused in their energy. That's what Paul's saying. I have fought this good fight. And he says, the struggle was with my past. The struggle was with what I had to deal with. And I have overcome that. I have allowed that which I've wrestled with to know that I've fought the good fight. Look what he says later in the next verse. In verse 8, 2 Timothy 4.8. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness. Here's what happens. When you fight the good fight and you finish well, there is a crown waiting for you. And he says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You know what that's referring to? That's referring to you and I. That if we fight the good fight like the Apostle Paul, and we strive to know the Lord like the Apostle Paul, then we will also have a crown of righteousness, which is literally saying that's the reward that we're waiting for, that the Lord will say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How many of you want to hear that? You know, how many of you want to be good and faithful? I don't, I don't want to just be like so many people that do well, do well, do well, and at the end of their life, crash and burn. I want to finish well. I want to, I want to go to the day I die. I want to be doing what the Lord's called me to do. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling young Timothy. Yo, listen, young man, I have fought the fight. I know it's a struggle. I know the difficulties you're going through. I know what it's like to live in a culture that doesn't appreciate you or the values you stand for. But do this. Fight the good fight. Stick in there. Stick in there. Don't be afraid to fight the good fight. So what is the Lord asking you to fight today? What, what good fight is the Lord calling you to fight for? Is there something the Lord's challenging you right now as, as I'm speaking, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, you know what, I need to fight this good fight? Yeah. Uh, is, what is it? What is it that you, uh, you, the Lord is saying, hey, if you want to you do something, this is what I want you to do. You know, because one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do, he wants to get our attention. And a lot of times when we're, we're out in the world and the world's bombarding us, we can't have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. But when we sit in this facility and we have the presence of the Lord here, the Lord is saying, what is it that I want you to fight? And then you have to ask yourself, are you fighting it in the flesh, in yourself, or are you fighting it in the Spirit? Because if you acknowledge your need for the Lord, Scripture says, unless the Lord builds a house, they do what? They labor in vain. 
which basically means you're, you're wasting your time. If you do it in yourself, you're wasting your time. And what the Lord is saying to you right now is he says, what are you fighting? And are you doing it in the spirit or are you doing it in the flesh? Father God, we come to you right now, and I ask and pray that whatever your spirit is speaking to us right now, that God, we would just be sensitive and be open to hear and to listen to you. And I pray that you give each of us the ability to fight the good fight that you're calling us, not the fight that the world's calling us, not the fight that friends are calling us, not even the fight that family's calling us, but Lord, that we would fight the fight that you're calling us to fight in Christ's name. The second thing the Apostle Paul says is this, worship team, I'm not done. You may be done. I'm not done. <laughs> you get back in your chair, we're going to have a fight, okay? The second thing he says is, I have finished the race. I haven't finished the sermon, but I've finished the race, okay? He says, and the image here is, is also of a stadium. How many of you ever competed in athletics where you ran, you know? There's a thing that they call the kick at the end, right? I ran cross country and track, and I did long distance running, and at the end of the race, certain runners had this ability, no matter how far and fast they ran, they had what they called the kick, and it was that last push of, of energy where they ran fast at the end of the race, and what the Apostle Paul is saying is, don't peter out before the end of the race. Don't give up before it's over. And he says, I have literally, literally the wording that he uses here in the original language is, I have finished the course the Lord has set out for me. Yeah. And one of the things that I want to challenge you is it's necessary for you and I to fulfill the course and destiny that God has called us to do. And the only way you can do that is according to this text, the wording that he uses in the language and how it's used elsewhere in the, in the New Testament and elsewhere in the biblical uh, 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 text is that it's taking you to the next level what God has. How many of you, God's taking you to another level? How many of you, God's taking you to a different dimension? You know, when you do that, what he's saying is don't give up. Every time you go to a new level, if, it's, if you're playing sports and you're playing Little League or T-ball, you go from T-ball to Little League, there's, a, there's a, a, a new level, right? And then you go to high school sports, and there's a new level there. And then you go to college baseball, and there's a new level there. And then you go to the, you get drafted by the pros, and there's a new level there because you may be good, but you're not good enough. So what do they do? They put you into the farm league right? And you work on your skills and you develop your skills and then you make it to the pros. You see, every time there's a new level, there's new challenges. And what the Lord wants to do is he wants us to understand, like the Apostle Paul, you, he wants you to finish the race. He doesn't want you to give up because it's difficult. He doesn't want you to give up because it's hard. He doesn't want you to give up because there are challenges. That's life, folks. And what the Lord wants you to do is want you to realize that he wants you to finish the race well. He wants you to finish it in a way that's pleasing and acceptable to him. So what is Paul saying? Because Paul didn't die at this point, did he? He was, he was getting towards the end of his life, but he, he hadn't passed away yet. But if you look in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it's interesting because in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul defines what he means by finishing the race. Listen to what he says. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You see, Paul came to this revelation as, as he got older in his life that the end goal of his life was to testify of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. That was what he was called to do. You know what? You and I are called to the same thing. 
We're called to testify of the goodness of the Lord in, in everything he's done. And so when I read this, one of the things I, I, I thought is, you know, here's Paul, an old, old man, finishing his life with joy because why? He was doing what the Lord told him to do. How many of you are doing what the Lord's told you to do? What has the Lord called you to do? What has the Lord called you to testify about? What has the Lord called you to rise up to? And if he's taking you to a new level, if he's taking you to a new dimension, are you willing to walk in that dimension? Are you willing to walk in what the Lord's called you to do? Have you ever stopped just to stop to, I, I call it the spiritual railroad tracks, you know? What happens when you pull up to the railroad tracks? There's that circular sign, and it says, stop, look, and listen. If you have a, a, a Bible and you're reading the Psalms, it has in the margin of the Psalm the word Selah, S-E-L-A-H, and that means to pause and reflect upon what's being stated. You know, the Lord wants you right now just to pause and reflect on what he's telling you. Is he taking you to a new dimension spiritually? Is he taking you to a place where he wants you to say, God, what are you moving in my heart to do new? And not to be afraid of it, not to be overwhelmed by it, not to be intimidated by it, but to say, Lord, I will be faithful to you to move into that new arena. I will be faithful to you to move in that new relationship with you. I'll be faithful to, to, to do what you've called me to do. Are you finishing the task the Lord set out before you? Have you said, Lord, here am I, send me? And I remember when my children were little, we used to watch the movie Toy, Toy Story over and over and over and over and over. And my favorite part of Toy Story movie is when they're in the arcade and the, the claw is coming down and there's all these little toys in the thing and they're, they're all yelling, choose me, choose me, choose me, you know? I always think of, oh, every time I saw that, I would think of the scripture verse and the day the King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up. And what did the prophet say? Here, my Lord, send me. How many of you want the Lord to send you to the next level? How many of you want the Lord to send you to that next thing he has for you? Lord, right now, we just pray, Father, your spirit would just come down upon us, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would take us to that next level, that we could finish the race in a way that's pleasing and acceptable to you, Lord. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just draw us to a deeper level with you, a deeper understanding of you. Open up the Word of God as we study it, Lord, so that we could have ears that hear what the Spirit is saying and hearts that are open to have the Word of God implanted in us. In Jesus' name we ask. The third thing the Apostle Paul says, and this is really interesting, he says, if you do these first two things, if you fight a good fight, and if you finish the race, he says, this is what's going to happen. You'll be able to keep the faith. You know, that's really the goal of it. You know, one of the things that, that really breaks my heart as a, as a believer, not even as a pastor, but as a believer, is the number of people that don't finish the race well. You know, they don't finish the race well, and they don't keep their faith. And I've seen people come, and they've been all on fire for the Lord, and then you look at them a few years later, and they're not even walking in a relationship with Christ. And one of the things that I want to do as your pastor, I want to always stoke the spiritual fire in your life so that you love Jesus more tomorrow than you did today. That you are more faithful to the Lord in 2022 than you were in 2021. That should the Lord tarry for the next 10 years, that we would be faithful more than we've ever been in the past. And as situations around us get more difficult and more challenging, that we'll say, you know, Lord, here am I, send me. You know, the Apostle Paul, I love this because he says, 
that he is going to keep the, keep the faith. And it's literally those of you that have ever served in the military or any armed forces or any, any uh, uh, like police or fire, these are challenging. It's a term that is used to challenge you to listen to the authority. You know, I won't share this in second service because I don't think my, my eldest son would appreciate it, but uh, he was a, a, a security guard, a, a, a security forces with the Air Force. And he was uh, stationed at Andrews Air Force Base in uh, Washington, D.C. And in a recent conversation we had with him, he was telling about on one day, a SEAL team was getting ready to be deployed. And they didn't have proper authorization to use the airport that he was guarding. And he shut them down until they got proper authority. Now, here he was. He was only a sergeant. But he was in charge of that airfield. He was in charge of that tarmac. And no one was able to use it unless they had proper clearance and authority. And he said these guys were all over him because they're the elite people, you know. Everyone knows the SEALs teams, right? They're the elite ones, right? And some sergeant was doing his job and slowed down their mission. That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying knowing your responsibility and taking it in such a way that you challenge and you say, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to keep the faith, I'm going to keep whatever God's called me to do, I'm going to do that even if people around me don't like it. Even if these people all decked out in all their gear were standing there yelling at me and calling me all kind of names, I'm going to do what the Lord has called me to do. And Paul says to Timothy, this is really interesting, because as he's mentoring him, Timothy, if you read through the book of, of First and Second Timothy, listen to what he says to him in First Timothy 6, verse 20 and 21. Timothy, guard that which was been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what some falsely called knowledge. Let me tell you something. In the, in the body of Christ, there are too many people that are going around doing godless chatter and, and talking about things that are supposed to sound really intense spiritually when they're basically empty. You know, let's get into the meat of God's word. Let's get into the truth of what scripture is saying. Let's get into the truth of what God's calling us to be. He's calling us to be men and women who keep the spirit of peace, who keep the spirit of unity, who keep the spirit of Christ-likeness so that when we're interacting with other people, we can be the solid person. There's enough flakes around us that we don't need to be flakes. We need to be solid. And, and Pastor Lynn and I, we have, we have coveted with the Lord that we would be oaks of righteousness for this church, that we will be people, no matter which way the wind's blowing, the oak tree's going to stand there. And we're going to encourage you. We, we, you guys can all be our acorns. How's that? We'll, you, we'll just be the acorns that fall down. And what the, what the acorns do when they fall down? They produce other trees of righteousness. And God's calling us as individuals to be strong and solid in our faith, not to be wishy-washy or thrown all around, but when the wind blows and the, and the earthquakes come, we are solid people in our faith. That's what Paul's telling us. And he says, listen, listen to what he says in verse 21, which some have professed in and are doing so have done what? They have departed from the faith. Yeah. You see, there's a lot of people that talk, talk, but don't walk, walk. We want to be people that walk the walk. And the way you walk the walk is you get into God's word, you keep the faith, you're people that fight the good fight, you're people that finish the race, and as you do that, what you're doing, you're exercising in a way that is spiritually nurturing to you as an individual. Paul's term in this, like I said, is a military term. Following the assigned task that the Lord has given you. What task has the Lord given you this morning? What has the Lord called you to do? 
Don't be like a weather vane in a hurricane. Be a person that stays true to what God's called you to do. I don't care what other people around us. You know, as pastors, you get people all the time that tell you what you should do. We have other pastors that tell us what we should do. You know what we do? We get on our face and pray and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? And, and it may sound crazy to other people. And I've had, when we first became your pastors, other pastors in the area say, oh, that church is a mess. It's, it's never going to go anywhere. You know what they're doing now? They're coming saying, hey, how did you turn that church around? How do, how, what did you do? And you know what I tell them? It's real simple. Get on your face and pray. No, no, no. Don't, don't you have a strategy? Yeah, my strategy is get on your face and pray. You want to hear the voice of the Lord? Spend time with him. You know? Well, you can go to a seminar you can buy someone's book will tell you how to do it. No, get on your face and pray. Ask the creator of the universe who speaks all things into existence to speak to you and then say, Lord, it may not make sense to me, but if you're telling me to do it, I'm going to do it. If it lines up with what's written in the word, if it lines up with what your spirit's saying to me, if it lines up with what I know I should be doing, then I'm going to do it. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be faithful in all areas of your life. Oh, man, I tell you. This is good, David. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know? You know, in, in the Apostle Paul, when he was writing, he says that to Timothy, he says, you know, Timothy, realize this in your faith. When you do what God wants you to do, people are going to persecute you. Christian people will persecute you. Church folks will persecute you. But you need to stay true to what you're doing. Listen, listen to what he says in 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Pastor, can we, can we draw a black line through that through our scripture? I, I don't want to be persecuted. How many of you love being persecuted? Anyone out there? You know, none of us love, but that's a reality. If you're walking in a relationship with Christ, there will be people that will persecute you. I remember when we first were going to India, we would sit down to people and tell us, you know, I know your emphasis is on women in ministry. But they're never going to ordain women in India. Their women are never going to have a place of leadership in India. You, you're wasting your time going there. And what are they doing now? Pastor Swapna, one of the missionaries that we support, first ordained pastor in northern India. What are they doing right now? They're ordaining women in ministry. What are they doing in Bangladesh, a Muslim country, one of the schools that we're starting to help finance? They're actually training a Bible school there, a, tri a Bible training center, and they're ordaining women and men in ministry. You know, these countries where people say, this isn't going to happen, God says, that's what you say in the natural. But let me tell you what I'm doing in the spirit realm. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I will raise up men and women. I will raise up uh, unauthorized weapons, people that don't think they could do it. They're going to be fireys. And I'll tell you, I met a young lady in Fred and Judith were with us. Do you remember that, that little evangelist we met in, in uh, Mahadra Pradesh? That little tiny lady? She's probably about this tall. She is a fireball preacher. You think Pastor Lynn's on fire. This lady is like Pastor Lynn on steroids. She's a little tiny fireball, a little cracker. She probably weighs 85 pounds wet in her sari. And I tell you, she is one of the most fiery evangelists that we know. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord raises her up. Let me tell you, the Spirit of the Lord wants to raise you up. He wants to pour out His Spirit upon you. And I, I pray that you and I finish the race well. I pray that everything the Lord has called us to do, we would say, you know what? People tell me I can't do it. That's okay. Through Christ Jesus, I could do it. You know, if I listened to what people tell me, I would have never gone to college. 
If I would have listened to people, what they told me, I would never gone to grad school. If I would have listened to what people told me, I would have never got my doctorate. But I tell you, had I not done that, I wouldn't be the pastor I am today. And if I didn't do what the Lord had told me to do, I don't care what other people tell you. What is the Lord telling you to do? Are you listening to the Spirit of the Lord? Father God, right now, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would just touch our hearts. Lord, I want us as men and women of faith to keep the faith and finish the race well. Lord, I don't want us to get distracted. I don't want us to stumble. I don't want us to fall. Lord, I want us to run the race set before us. And I pray for each and every person this morning that, God, they will, they will run their life in, in, in such a way that it's pleasing to you. That, Father, their life will be a life that is dedicated to you to finish well, Lord. I pray that, God, you would help them to guard the preciousness of the calling of God upon their life. I pray that you would allow them to to guard the anointing of the Spirit upon their life. And I pray that, Father, no matter what comes our way, we will not fight as the world fights. That, Lord, we would not allow the weapons of our warfare to be carnal. But, God, we would allow them to be spiritual. And I pray just like Paul was talking to young Timothy about fighting the good fight, that, Father, we would be faithful to do what you've called us to do. Lord, when the storms come, may we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And when the difficulties come, Lord, let us say, I don't care what obstacle comes before me. I'm going to run the race the Lord has set for me. And, Lord, I pray that we would have a a tenacity of faith, Lord. I know some of us, Lord, we can be stubborn folks. But, Lord, let us be stubborn for the sake of the gospel. Let us be men and women that say, you know, no matter what comes before us, I'm going to keep my relationship with Christ first and foremost. Lord, others may not appreciate it, but I know you do. And Father, right now, I pray that the anointing of your spirit would be so strong upon your sons and daughters that as we run the race set before us, God, we will do it in a way that is pleasing and acceptable to you. So Father God, we just dedicate ourselves to you right now in Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. Stand with us as we worship. Miracles when you move, such an easy thing for you to do. Your hand is moving right now. You are still showing up at the tomb of every Lazarus. Your voice is calling You never lost a battle.
So we're singing a song. I feel like the Lord is saying, I want to graduate you, right? But the greatest battles are within us to not say yes to the Lord. Whatever reason why. And the Lord wants you to say yes to him. I, I, I'm thinking about what Paul the Apostle is saying to Timothy. Timothy, you can do this. You can do this. You can fight this fight. You can be the man of God that God has called you to be. And one of the greatest battles, I think some of the greatest battles is our internal world that says we can't do it. But the Lord is saying you can do it. How many of you want to say at the end of your day, every person in this room is going to have an end day, end day. How many of you would say, you know what? I want to be able to say to the Lord, I fought the good fight. Come on. I fought, I stayed in there. I'm going to tell you, we're going to be a home run hitting group of people. We're going to swing hard around here. We're not going to be, we're not going to be bunters. There's nothing wrong with the bunt. But I want some hard swingers to say, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm going to swing hard. I'm going to swing hard in what God has called me to do. What God has called you to do. The Lord wants us in that song as we're singing that you never lost a battle. May Lord, don't lose the battle within me when I want to shrink back in fear. When I want to hide out. When I start getting cooled off and not being in love with you like I need to be. Lord, I am committing today that battle's not going to get lost in me. I'm not going to abandon my faith. I am not going to be compromised. But I am going to be a person that at the end day, I have fought the good faith fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Amen. Amen. We're going to commit to that right now. The Lord wants to grow. Some of you, the Lord is saying, you know what? I am going to bring increased opportunity to you. And you are to step into it. You are to say yes to that. Fear not. And I, and you know, as the Lord is speaking to me about that, listen, I stand up here today because I have said yes to the Lord and the Lord has changed me over time so that I have a fearlessness to do the call of God despite the circumstances. And the Lord says to you, he's giving you that fearlessness, whatever it may be, to say yes to him, to be that light, to be that powerhouse, to be that witness, to be that person who speaks his word, used by him, whatever arena, whatever dynamic it may be, the Lord is saying, I am calling you out for that. I am calling you out for that. He's graduating you. Father, right now, we uh, submit ourselves to you. We commit ourselves to you that we will not shrink back. We will not get... Uh, confused or deceived by the world but Lord that we would have the clarity to keep our eyes fixed on you and that we would fight the good fight of faith shining brightly for you staying true to your word being rooted and grounded as an oak of righteousness as scripture says 
and that we would be people that we would not uh, get lax, but Lord, that we would continue to grow in our faith on the increase and would not let the battles or the storms that are around us to discourage us, but rather we would continue moving forward, doing what you have told us to do. Lord, we make that commitment this day because Lord, we want to glorify you. And Lord, we know at the end of the day, what it's all about is about you. It's all about you. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have not asked us to battle it alone. We battle not in our own flesh, but we battle with your Holy Spirit. We, your Holy Spirit is our source of power. Your Holy Spirit is our source of strength. As you have asked us to battle these things that are trying to tear and destroy people. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word in your name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Those of you that are going to class, uh, foundations of class are down the hall. And you take a left, you'll see the sign. And if you have a testimony to give, go ahead to the office down the hall and give that testimony. God bless you.